Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role that joy plays in our own journey. Welcome to episode 87. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. Today's guest is Andrea Share of Superhero Life, and she's joining me as part of May's Finding What Fits Month. Andrea is joining me to talk about the delight and joy she finds in curiosity. She shares about her blog, Superhero Life, being a photographer and coach, her amazing wish tree in her front yard, and her brand new Creative Superheroes podcast. It's an amazing and fun-filled discussion that I know you will not want to miss because it's one of those conversations that is simply chock full of magic and fun. The theme for this month is finding what fits and it's all about connecting the dots in your life and finding the what behind what brings you joy. Before we get to the interview, I just want to say welcome and I am so glad that you are here. Thank you for tuning in this week and for joining me. I publish show notes for each episode that include links to the guest's website, additional references, and some of my thoughts about the topics that we discuss, and you can find those at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 87. I'm super excited to announce that this episode is being sponsored by my Jumpstart Your Podcast class. I'm excited to announce that the class is starting up again on June 20th. If you've been hearing me talk about the class and you are ready to sign up, I can't wait to work with you. And you can head over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com and you can register today. The cart is open. I've been helping women in the healing and coaching professions to start and launch their own podcasts. And it is so much fun to work with people who are so excited about their area of expertise and want to share it with the world. The class is set up to walk you through how to pick a topic, choose a name, decide your format, figure out your music, get your cover art together, and then go through the basics of what you need to know to get your show up and running in just eight to 10 weeks. Of my first class, I'm so proud of this, 83% of the students started their own show. And they have gone live. And these include doing it on the side with Vanessa Soto, Midlife Schmidlife with Liz Applegate, Free Her Spirit with Christine Petty, Mother's Quest with Julie Neal, The Mindful Retirement with Lisa Curtis, and most recently, The Egg Whisperer with Dr. Amy Evazade. If this sounds like you, you, and you just know you want to start a podcast, and you're ready to make the jump, I cannot wait to have you join me. Listeners can use the code SPRING50 at checkout for $50 off registration during Early Bird, and that will run through May 31st of 2017. So I I hope you will go to the site and check it out. I can't wait to meet you and learn all about your show. This week, Andrea Sher joins me to share all about so many magical and joyful things and how to find more magic and joy in your life. You may know Andrea from her blog, Superhero Life, or or maybe from her popular and life-changing class, Mondo Biondo. She also just started her own podcast, the Creative Superhero Podcast, and I have been enjoying it immensely, as you likely know. She has an ease and a joy about her that just will draw you in, and I know you're going to love this episode because we just hit it off. 
In this interview, Andrea shares all about how she started working in jewelry and then how she very organically moved into blogging and photography. She shares that she's created a life mission statement, and you can totally do this as well. And she says, by profession, I'm an artist and a life coach, but I'm actually a storyteller and a healer. And then she lets that guide whatever it is that she does. This is why I love this discussion so much. Andrea shares near the end of the interview that today could be normal or magical and joyful, and that at any moment, each of us could be a source of delight and magic, which ties so closely to what I feel about joy. That joy is a choice, and we must keep choosing it every day. And so now, here's the interview with Andrea Share. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I am so excited to have Andrea Share on with me. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you, Paula. I'm super excited, too. And I think just the name of your podcast just put me in this of like, yes, let's jump for joy. Like, what is there to be joyous about today, you know? So I think there's some, yeah. some special secret, like medicine just in the name of your podcast mm, thank you yes well and it really is all about joy being a choice even mm-hmm. when things are really hard and that's kind of where the whole inspiration came from was you know realizing that kind of joy draws you out sometimes mm-hmm. like that little feeling when you're sitting there going oh why is everything so hard and then there's something else back there that goes well what about how you used to love to draw or what about how you used to love to you know Right. Or whatever it is, like there's something in it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'll just say too, joy can feel like maybe a lofty aspiration to some people. So I would also say that like joy is also like, it's like being curious and it's feeling a spark of, of aliveness or you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you've ever spoken to that before. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. It totally can. And I think that curiosity, like, is that kind of a, almost a gateway to joy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so would you like to tell us a little bit about what brought you joy as a child? What were your earliest thoughts? I can't oh, talk. <laughs> what were your yeah. earliest of joy? Yes. Oh, my God. I had so many of them. And they so resemble my current sparks of joy, which is so funny. Well, I loved choreographing dance routines with my friends. So I would invite them over and I'd already, you know, choreographed something and I would teach them the dance and we would, it's usually to the flash dance soundtrack and we'd be in my driveway and we'd like do this whole thing. Yeah. yeah right. We totally would have been friends. Right. <laughs> um, and, I, and I don't do that so much anymore, but, but yeah, I took a lot of photos when I was a kid, like around junior high school. And so again, I would invite my friends over and we, I'd like glamify them with like lip gloss and blow dry their hair so it looked like windswept and then I would photograph them as if I was a fashion photographer and when I was just by myself I did a lot of drawing and a lot of painting I wasn't a reader that was like really missing for me in my childhood like I wasn't really read to and wasn't really drawn to books but I was very much drawn to color and paint and form and beauty and so that was kind of my world Yes, I love that. I love what you said about glamifying your friends and, you know, taking the photographs. Yeah. Yeah, there's something so, I don't know, there's something so fun, but also so, I don't know, I can see that totally, like you were seeing the early superheroes people probably even in those moments. Exactly. And, you know, okay, so another sort of spark of joy moment for me, I had a jewelry business. My first business was a jewelry business. And 
I noticed that, okay, so when it was time to like, I'd created all these new colorways and I was like, okay, now I have to photograph people so that I can put them on my website. I noticed that the thing I loved most about my job was doing those photo shoots where I got to glamify my friends and put my necklaces on them. And we would have so much fun just being silly and taking these photos. And that came through. I think those images that I took of my friends, like we were genuinely having such a good time and these women were just so alive and in their bodies and that really transmitted and people were like, I want some of that, you know? So yeah, they weren't sort of like the stayed perfect, you know, magazine kind of photos. Right. Isn't that so amazing too? Because I love, I mean, so if listeners don't know, you are also, you're a photographer now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love your work because there is that like immediate connection like people when you look at the photographs of people that you've taken I immediately feel like I know something about that person but also get that sense that they feel so like themselves when you are taking a picture of them oh thank you that's what I strive for yeah and I'm I'm glad it comes through I think that's a yeah yeah it's a really important piece I'm always trying to have people feel really themselves and natural in front of my camera yeah yeah, and it does come through. Isn't that so interesting? And it's almost like, well, because I've also seen you <laughs> shoot big groups of people. And it's almost oh, yeah. like, I mean, everyone's drawn to a camera, but like, there's something about the way you magically move around a room that you're just so comfortable in the space. Like, <laughs> oh my God. you know, you're like, nope, I'm, I'm here. I got this. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. I forgot about that. And I'm remembering you, like, I'm usually like really off the cuff with my like prompts for people like, okay, everybody, you know, do this. And I was like, yeah, you guys were all part of this coaching training, the courageous coaching training. And I saw this group of people, these women, and I was like, okay, you're a theater troupe and you're in Cats. Show me your kitty cat or whatever. I don't even know what I was saying. And you were just like right there. I am diving in. I am. I don't know what you did. It was hilarious, though. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that was a very un what like untethered moment. It was totally <laughs> Mr. Mistopheles from Cats, but I was like, <laughs> Yeah. So I think oh I just like God. to bring as much as much aliveness and joy as possible to everything that I do. And so if we can make it like I call it fun and easy, like if we can make this fun and easy, then that means for me, that means I'm in flow. And that's how I find flow is through like a sense of play, a sense of like, let's hold this really lightly. Let's make this just really loose and fun and let's see what happens and be curious. And for me, that really works as a creative practice. Mm. I love that. Yeah, because I mean, there's some things, even if it's like taking you know, if it's photography, there's some people who this can be very serious work, right? And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's, then that's like the, that's the presence that the person they're taking a picture of holds. And then, but then I guess approaching anything like a podcast or a photography, like finding that space of joy. I love that you just said holding it lightly and making it easy. Like, wow, that's a beautiful way to approach something that you love. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I was just thinking too, like with my podcast, for example, I mean, the last several episodes I've done have been about grief and death and dying. And mm-hmm. it, it was interesting just to see the trajectory, like, oh, I, I, I interviewed someone who does grief ritual. And then I interviewed Sark, who has been in a grieving process around losing her partner. And then I interviewed Frank Ostaseski, who created Zen Hospice, and he's been sitting with the dying for, you know, 40 years. And I found so much joy in those conversations. And they didn't look like this conversation necessarily. It wasn't like, woohoo. However, like that feeling of joy is also about connection. And about mm. being seen, and I don't know. It, it's like it doesn't always look like what we think it should look like. Mm. Yeah, isn't that so interesting? And that's definitely like one of the things. All that gooey part that's hard to figure out and feels so hard sometimes is like kind of the birthing ground, quite actually, literally for this show. Because I think there's something like grief. And hard times can really show you that then, I don't know, maybe, and maybe you can weigh in on what you think that is, but there's something about it that then sometimes wakes up something inside you that you didn't really know was there, but you're like, I want more of that. Like a couple mm-hmm. of other guests have said something to the effect. One of them, Sharon, had a brain tumor and had it removed. Mm-hmm. And then was having, you know, to learn to rewalk. And she's like, and these circumstances just were no longer acceptable. She's like, I just couldn't mm-hmm. do my life like that. And I think there's something about pieces of life that are so hard that that, that then it wakes up something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I have a solid answer for that, but yes. <laughs> and I think my intuition is that it's about heart opening. I think when things are really hard, like I was going through separation and divorce over the last few years, and it was certainly the hardest stretch of time in my life. And also the most, it was like a an awakening and like a birthing of myself again. And who am I, you know, in this new kind of world, this new universe I'm creating for myself. And it was so hard and my heart was so cracked open that every little bit of kindness that came to me felt so potent. Like I felt every molecule of it. Whereas when I'm doing better and I'm living my life and I'm busy and everything's fine, it's like that stuff doesn't really penetrate. Yes. Oh, yeah. And there's something so tender and beautiful about those little moments of kindness Mm -hmm. where like maybe in every day you wouldn't have noticed them, but when things are feeling so hard, it really does make a difference when, I mean, I'm thinking of my own journey of when somebody comes to visit and (laughs) my dad shows up and, you know, cleans the bathroom. (laughs) These things would have been like no big deal in moments, you know, like today. Well, I'd still appreciate it, obviously, but it just wouldn't make the same impact. But I guess the flip of it is, is seeing that when you do take the extra step, it really does make a difference or could make a huge difference in somebody's life that you don't mm. even really think of in the now. Yeah, I think that's what it's about. It has something to do with our hearts being open and sometimes they get cracked open against our will. But yeah, it's juicy, sacred territory when we're in those places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, when we can have the faith that 
even though the, your heart may be cracked wide open, that there is goodness and love possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. I was so moved at that time, especially by the sisterhood that I had created. I didn't really understand this world of women that just had me and had my back until I really needed them to catch me and carry me, you know? So yeah, so many gifts in that. Yes, <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, thank you for sharing that that tender space here. Yeah, of course. Yeah, community does become ultimately so, so important and so what obvious as you hit a harder time. I think that's really an amazing thing to notice too if somebody's in a hard space, like where is where can you see little bits of joy and maybe who can you lean into if it mm-hmm. seems like it's just too hard right now? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, so would you like to tell us a little bit about what it is that you do now? And I don't know, how do you describe yourself when somebody says, hey, Andrea, what do you do? (laughs) That's like the worst possible question for me. I mean, (laughs) worst by like, I I answer it like 20 different ways. And it depends if I'm talking to like another mom at the top park or I'm talking to you, right? No, I get it. And it's so funny what Emily Wapnick's on this month as well. And she's, you know, the multi-potentialite person. So. Right, yes, exactly. <laughs> Everyone kind of... Yeah, exactly. So if I'm talking like, to someone like... Somebody me, so many things yes, exactly. So, okay, so usually what I say is I'm an artist and a life coach. And mostly I teach courses online, sometimes in person, that are about creativity and personal growth and the sort of intersection of those two things. And sort of practically, that means that I'm, I'm a painter, I'm a photographer, sometimes I'm a jewelry designer, I'm a coach, I'm a mentor for people who are creating their own e-courses, because I've been doing those for a long time, and probably others, I, I guess I'm a writer too, I've been blogging for like 14 years now. There's this great exercise that Alexandra Franzen did with us, um, I went to one of her workshops a few years ago. And we answered this massive list of questions very quickly on the fly that she was asking, like, okay, what do you geek out about? What are you always Googling? If you have like, you know, some free time, what are you doing? You know, just all this stuff, like just kind of like understanding, like where are our curiosities and our passions and like, where's our sort of interest. And at the end of it, I saw these threads that were about storytelling and about healing. and. Then she invited us to sort of do this fill in the blank Mad Lib. So it was like, by profession, I'm a blankety blank, but really I'm a blankety blank. And so I filled it out and said, by profession, I'm an artist and a life coach or a photographer and a life coach, but really I'm a storyteller and a healer. And that actually, it's like, it's not like I'm going to say that to the mom at the park or whatever or put it on a business card necessarily, but just knowing that in myself, like, oh, I'm a storyteller and a healer. And I do it in a variety of ways. There's like different forms that that takes, but at the bottom of it, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing when I'm photographing someone. Like I'm not trying to get a perfect picture. I'm trying to like bring this person out. And so I can capture their their natural beauty and their aliveness and reflect it back to them as an act of healing, really. And 
I don't necessarily say that, but it's so good to know like what my stealth mission is in those ways. Mm, that is so awesome right there, especially the like that you're reflecting their beauty back to them and as an act of healing. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, it's just that's gorgeous. It totally takes me back to this this moment of I was a retreat leader for like 11 years at a little retreat center in the Bay Area. Mm. Um, and one of the the priests there, Father Evan, there's, there's a whole story with him, but he's an amazing man. And he said that his superpower was to be able to take that little piece of something in someone that they don't really know that they have and show it to them. And I was oh. like, oh. That is the sweetest gift I have ever heard of. And, the, and yours oh. reminds me of that, like that thing where you have that ability to show someone their own superpower. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. I, I already love your father. What is his name? Father what? Father Evan. Yeah. Father Evan. Yeah. I love that too. I know when I, even when I get on a coaching call with someone, I often say a prayer that's about like, May I be present, may I be curious, such that I can reflect this person, like who they are back to them so they can see themselves more clearly. So it's like, it's not about me giving them the right advice. It's not me steering them in a particular direction. It's like, it's me being present and curious enough so that they can see themselves more clearly. So yeah, there's some kind of, there's something about that. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a connection. Yeah, me too. It's kind of it's and it's beautiful because I don't think a lot of people necessarily make the space. Well, what? There's a couple of things there. Most people aren't really that comfortable with allowing someone else to see themselves so intimately mm-hmm. that then they could reflect reflect back that beauty for them. So there's something nice that there's what? I, I sense that you have that ability to, to disarm people. So that they can get there, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to show you who I am in a yeah. way that maybe I wouldn't just show everyone. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I yes. think you and Father Evan, you guys might be, you know, two peas from the same pod. <laughs> <laughs> that way. <laughs> it's very possible. Yeah, that's really wonderful. I love that you brought up Alexandra Franzen. It's funny because... I think, yeah, she keeps coming up in my periphery. So I, maybe, I need to, maybe I need to talk to her. She's <laughs> her amazing. So how did the super, how did your blog, Superhero Life, get its start? Let's see. So when I had my jewelry business right at the beginning, I was sending out newsletters to a very small list of people. And the newsletters were very story-based. I thought, you know, who just wants to hear like, buy my necklaces or here's some new necklaces. Like that's boring. And I was allergic to like, you know, what I considered sort of smarmy marketing language. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to tell them stories. Some of them have nothing, most of them have nothing to do with jewelry because like how many stories do I have about the jewelry? And then I will, you know, share that I have necklaces to sell at the end. (laughs) And it turned out that I was, you know, now it's like a known thing that people blog and you don't have to blog specifically about the thing that you do professionally. You can just, you know, you can share yourself so that people understand who you are and then there's goodwill there and then they want to jump in and, and do work with you. Right. But at the time that was, a that was not a concept that was a known thing. But a friend of mine who was way more computer savvy than I 
said, you know, I think you're a natural blogger and you should, you should start a blog and I'm going to help you. She was a graphic designer. So she made a blog for me and I started putting all these stories and all my photography. I was like, oh good. Like a, it's like a show and tell for me. It's like a place for me to put my photography. And I went to Burning Man. And so I'm going to tell stories about that and you know, that kind of stuff. And I started noticing that my jewelry sales were going up exponentially. And I was like, this is strange. I wonder why this is happening. And then about a year into the blog, I installed a site counter that, you know, you had to install them at the time. And I could, and I thought that the only people reading my blog were like the, maybe the three people who were commenting or the five people who were commenting. And it turned out there were thousands of people coming every day to my blog. And I was like, oh my God, okay, now it makes sense. And it showed me like, you don't have to market in the sort of traditional ways. You can be more unconventional and your people seem to really appreciate that and are attracted to that. So that's how it started. And then I just started getting, you know, kind of more and more daring about how vulnerable I I would get and had a big moment when I had a miscarriage and was deciding whether I wanted to blog about it or not. And it became this, like, a friend of mine was talking to me about it. He'd come over to like, give us food and some comfort. He and his wife had like come over to be with us this, this particular night when we were really grieving. And, and he was like, are you going to share about this with your community? I mean, I, I don't not think I would recommend it. He's like, it would be really generous, but you know, I'm just curious. And it was something about that word generous. Like it would be really generous. And I thought, you know what? You're right. It would be really generous because I'm not the only one going through this today or this week or, you know, last year. And this is one of those topics that people don't like to even say out loud. People are like, ah, they're like allergic to it. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to just speak to it. And I was met with so much warmth and so much love and so much like, oh my God, me too, me too, me too. Like even in real time, like someone across the world was going through it the same week that I was. So there's so much connection. And I thought, God, you know, there is nothing that I could share that is not universal. And so that just kind of erased for me pretty much, not that I'm not afraid sometimes to, to share vulnerable things, but it was this huge lesson in like, we are all doing this thing together. And the more we can be transparent about our lives, the more healing is possible. Because I felt like, oh, I don't want someone to feel alone in this. And then what I was when I was met with all this love and connection, I thought, oh, I didn't want to be alone in this. That was an act of healing for me. So it, it works both ways. That was kind of a long answer to your question, but... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but it brings up a really beautiful side to the what to the sharing part of blogging mm-hmm. or sharing with a community, which sometimes it seems so vulnerable, but I really love that you've pointed out that especially just in that that last breath of like, wow, sometimes it's what you needed too was the community and yeah. to know that you weren't alone in that right. moment. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
What a gift that your friend said it would be really generous. Like that's an interesting word to choose, as you said, and, and like yeah. what a what a gift to choose it. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was this very like, kind of seminal moment. I remember it very clearly. Yeah, yeah, and so funny that you pointed out that you had to install. I remember. I don't even remember you know, tracker I had on mine, but it felt like you always had to have one. And yeah, you could never tell how many people were listening. Yeah. And it's almost like, like, I don't weigh myself and I don't look at my site stats still. Like I just, I don't really want to know that it just messes me, messes with my head a little bit. So yeah. I understand that. Yeah. That's so funny. So how did it go from being like a blog that was about blogging and jewelry into something like, how did you get from there into creating your first course? Well, I finally, after some years of infertility, like after that miscarriage, there were, there were some years of infertility. And when I be, when I had my first son, Ben, a little more than 10 years ago, I realized that it was a really rough first couple of years and I was sleeping very little and was having what I understand now was probably postpartum anxiety. It it was kind of, I don't even know how I diagnosed myself, but I was not well and I was not getting any sort of treatment for that. So I had a very little capacity for like one-on-one coaching conversations and I was still the sort of majority breadwinner in my family. And so I had to, I had to do something and I had to do something fast. And I thought, okay, I'm going to write an ebook and then hopefully that will be this sort of passive income stream. And then, you know, I was, yeah, I was thinking about that. And so I collaborated on it with my friend, Jen Lemon. And as we were creating it, we're like, you know, this should be done in community. This would be so much more powerful in community. And so we created this e-course, Mondo Biondo. And yeah, it was, incredible. It was people really resonated with it. We developed a really big community around it. And that's how I got started in the e-course world. Yeah, it was just really leveraging the fact that I had this big community of people all over the world. And I didn't have capacity to, you know, work one-on-one with people anymore. And so had to scale. Mm, that's amazing. And it's so interesting because, well, May, the thing here is like finding what fits. And, and it feels like kind of like finding your way to joy, you opened yourself up to what could I do here? Like you said earlier on about the curiosity piece. Right. And then, and then welcomed in what it brought you. <laughs> that is really cool. And especially the community part and then just going with it. Cause I got to say like Mondo Biondo keeps coming up as well. Still, I know it's a class that's on your, on your site. It's interesting. Like um, Rachel Maddox, brought it up in something else and you know was really talking about how Mondo Biondo had changed her life so wow the ripple effect there oh (laughs) that makes me so happy yeah I know she's so great she's just one of those people I want to hug all day long I know she's so awesome love her big shout out to Rachel yeah so how did Mondo Biondo change change you either after you created it or how does it ongoing impact your life? Mm. The basic premise of Mondo Beyond is so it started out on my blog as a New Year's Day kind of ritual. I, every year I would say, okay, everybody, we're going to do our Mondo Beyondo list. That means that you're going to set a timer for 10 minutes. You're going to write your little heart out every possible wild thing you can imagine happening this year. 
that would just like delight you and would be like a dream come true. That would feel like a miracle. And so it was a way to kind of calibrate our dreaming life. So it's not just like this list of goals, like, okay, well, I'm going to make this much money this year. You know, like it was sort of getting out of the realm of the practical and expanding our sense of what was possible. So for example, it's like, I want someone to invite me to Hawaii to teach for, you know, and they would pay me lots of money and pay for my trip. And I want Alice Waters to come to my house and teach me to cook. And I want to meet Bruce Springsteen and, you know, just like whatever comes. And, but functions, like I said, in this way to sort of calibrate our sense of what's possible. And it also opens up your intuition and your subconscious. So because you're writing quickly, your things are just coming and you're like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to write that down. I'm going to write that down. And it's interesting to, to notice like the weird things that show up. And maybe even years later, you look back and you're like, okay, that was weird. And it happened, you know? So it's like, it's sort of law of attraction. It's a little bit magic. It's a little bit getting clear on your desires and what you want. It's kind of a mix of, of things. And so the class was really ushering people through this process of, um, okay, so you make your list and then what? And so the class was really mostly the, and then what part. And what we kind of realized was like, there are some basic muscles that you need to strengthen so that those things on your list can actually come true. And mostly it's about practicing courage, but it's also about following your intuition and getting really clear and in alignment with your spirit so that you're not manifesting things that are out of alignment for you and staying really open and flexible and saying yes as often as possible, which is kind of like courage and also being willing to be vulnerable, which is also, I feel like they all end up in the courage bucket, but yeah, being willing to be vulnerable is another piece of it. Yeah. The one that stands out for me is like how, I don't know if you want to talk about it a little bit, like how do you get in tune with your spirit? So you're pulling in stuff that's in alignment with what, who you are and what you want or what your message is here. Like, how do you find that piece? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I could say like, you know, practices like sitting in meditation or moving your body and going to yoga, taking walks, like all those things are good ways to be able to listen to yourself more clearly. Another like great kind of practical exercise is something that I learned from my friend Juna, which is getting really in touch with your somatic sense, like your body-based sense of what are your yeses and your nos. So a yes in your body, like a full body yes, has a certain like heart-opening, expanding kind of thing like your chest kind of literally opens and then your full body nose feel like a contraction and like a your chest kind of caves in a little bit we co-lead workshops sometimes and we lead people through this exercise where you sort of you close your eyes and you imagine the most gorgeous plate of food like the best like your favorite foods in the whole world on this plate and then you just notice like, like, does my body lean forward toward this food? What does my body feel like when it's a full body? Yes. And then you do the opposite. Like it's a plate of the things, like something that you really don't like. And that's just like a nice little exercise to start to get in touch with that. 
And actually, I've been online dating for a few years now. And I it's a really good practice if you're online dating, like if you're swiping on Tinder or something, and you look at someone, you can feel in your body like a uh, no, you know, or a ooh. <laughs> open. Like there's like a real visceral (laughs) yes or no. And so my friends are always like, how do you meet these amazing people? Like it's, it's rare that I meet like a stinker in the bunch. And I think it's because I'm, I'm really practicing honing my intuition through my body. And I practice a lot on Tinder. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and I like that there's that kind of that calibration of like what would feel like the full body yes versus the full body no. Because I, I'm thinking it's interesting dating wise. Like I'm thinking <laughs> someone that from the moment I met this person was a full body no. And then I made the mistake of dating them. <laughs> yep. Totally. <laughs> that ended, ended ethically and poorly. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's a good experience to have. Like what happens when we override our intuition and it's not bad. It's just, it's good information. Like, Oh, I can actually trust my intuition. And sometimes it's like not super clear. And so Juna's advice for me with like men, for example, was like, if it's not a full body, yes, it's a no for right now. And that doesn't mean it's a no forever, but it's a no for right now. Yeah. That's beautiful. What a great piece of permission to give oneself is like, Hey, now that I know what this thing feels like. So if someone is listening, is like, Oh yeah, I totally know what that delicious plate of food would make me feel like. I love that. Then giving yourself permission to be like, just go after that feeling. And that's probably similar to the feeling of joy. Right. I mean, they probably like, yeah. Uh, they're probably find it a similar, I don't know, resonance there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think so. I think there's, again, like there's lots of names for joy. There's like mm. open, there's expansive, there's a feeling of well-being. There's a feeling, you know, like I think there's different flavors of joy. Yeah, I think that's so helpful because I mean, there's a lot out there around the law of attraction and kind of if people haven't yet explored that, like the Abram Hicks pieces are so interesting to me. But I think there's also that thing of like not being totally sure of what it is that you want. And then of course, yeah, you could bring things into your realm that aren't really a great fit just by Mm -hmm. putting yourself out there. So I love that you just talked about that. Yeah. You can engage. Yeah. I don't know. What are you saying yes to now? Or how are you practicing courage? Mm, a good question. I think I'm saying yes to my artist self more than I have in the past, which feels a little wobbly just as far as my like creative professional life. I'm like, I'm leaning more into the part of me that just wants to like make things and be kind of goofy. And so the most recent class I created was called Make Your Own Magic. 21 Days of Creative Play and Stealth Blessings. And it was all about, well, the creative play was about kind of stepping into a more kind of magical space in our sort of minds and hearts. So it's, it's like stepping into your imagination. It's a kind of joy. I mean, I, gosh, it's funny. I'm having a hard time describing it, but I feel like that class was this sort of culmination of everything that matters to me and in one place. And so it was like like the creativity piece 
it was the the kindness piece because a lot of the prompts were what I call stealth blessings. So we were, you know, collective, there were like a couple hundred people in there and we were leaving love notes in random places. And we had a, my friend Sherry and I hosted a bubble flash mob at this, this big, beautiful park in San Francisco one day. And that was all, that was one of the sort of bigger assignments. So it was like creativity and service to being a blessing in the world. So being like a living, breathing love note to the world. And that just makes me really happy. (laughs) It's again, it's like this marriage of like, I never felt like when I was a painter, for example, there was something that just didn't, I love doing it for my own kind of healing work and my own process and my own delight, but it didn't feel complete for me is because I wasn't making the connection with other people as much as I wanted to. And so, I don't know, I love creating things, creativity and service to the world in some way, in a more direct way. So I'm saying yes to that. The action piece and kind of the connection piece. Yeah, Creativity can be so inspiring in and of itself. But yeah, I agree. There's something when you take it to that next level of... Mm -hmm. Sharing it or what, inviting a community to experience it with you. Yeah, there's something really special about that. Yeah. How did the flash bomb? Oh, how did it go? Did you say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it was amazing. So it was a really simple kind of formula, really. It was like we came to the park with tons of like little containers of bubbles and we handed them out. We had like a team of people kind of handing them out to everybody at this park. And we said, okay, at 11.11, start blowing these bubbles, but don't blow them any sooner than that. And they were like really confused. And they're like, okay, whatever. But sure enough, everyone at the park started blowing bubbles at the same moment. And so it was just, oh my God, it was at Dolores Park in San Francisco. So it's this incredible park. Lots of people are there. And then Mm -hmm. everyone started sort of, congregating around us and Sherry's boyfriend Ian had like the big bubbles like you know with like the ropes and like you know make the gigantic bubbles and it was just we were totally blissed out on like connection with strangers and Mm -hmm. beauty I mean there's bubbles and like the delight of all these kids who were just like squealing with joy and like my own kid, like my my 10-year-old who's just like too cool for school most of the time and thinks the things that I do like bubble flash mob, like whatever, mom, that's so stupid, you know? But he came and loved it. I mean, it was just like, you couldn't not love this thing. It was so pure. <laughs> and, and it was really relatively easy. It was like fun and easy, fun and easy. I love it. And I love the like visual of like people just like one, the question of what we're going to blow these at 11, 11, but then like just, a I don't know, it sounds like a triumphant, jubilant mm-hmm. moment. And everyone is like excited at the same time. Yeah. Such a simple, exciting thing. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess like one of the things I'm really passionate about and sort of the other thread of this class was really just making creativity so accessible and making the entry point. So like, you know what, you guys, like everyone can do this. Like, like my parents owned art galleries when I grew up. And so it was way more in the sort of high art realm. And I, I was kind of allergic to like that whole world of like galleries and important art and perfect art, you know, and this is like, 
let's just all make it. it's fine. It doesn't have to be perfect. Let's just let's just feel into like the delight of beauty and color and making things. And why does it have to be important? Yeah, I love it. Well, I feel like that's such a, a like a, a beautiful through line of so much of your work and so many of the things that you share are like these beautiful little moments of like magic and joy. And I mean, I can see how they just resonate with you, but also with everyone around you. Um, your episode with Kelly Ray Roberts and you guys were talking about, well, some about the wish tree, but also a couple of other like, I don't know, covert operations where you guys were just <laughs> running yes. around, spreading joy. Like, how can you do more of that? Like, I love that conversation. I'll link to it in the show notes. Okay, perfect. Yeah. If you want to talk more about either the wish tree or... Yeah, the wish tree was know, was another... Time. Yeah. So one of the things we mentioned in there was I created a wish tree in front of my house. And again, really simple. I was meeting a friend for lunch one day and I was like, I'm doing this class and I want one of the assignments to be making a wish tree. Will you make one with me today? She's like, great. So we, we met at Staples at like the office supply store and we got a container shipping tags and it's like a little plastic container. And seriously, all we did was we, we duct taped the plastic container to the tree with it open so that people had the tags. We put a pen in there and then we made a sign that said, make a wish. And very quickly, like within the day, people were adding wishes to the tree and tying them onto the the limbs. And I mean, it's still there and it still has tons of wishes just like dripping from it. And it became the source of so much delight and magic for not only people who are passing by, but like for my family, because we, if we were in our living room, we could hear people at the wish tree. We couldn't see them and they couldn't see us, but we could hear their conversations and we could hear them reading people's wishes and laughing or whatever was happening for them. And it's, I don't know, it's just like this, this little bright little light in our neighborhood that just ripples goodness. And it was so simple. And I'm so impressed by like the impact that something so small can have. Yeah. And it's, it just takes that beautiful moment of saying yes to that magical idea. And anyone, right. you know, and we each have our own little moments of, and ideas. I don't know. I guess the question for me is for everyone listening, like, what can you say yes to today? That's been kind of bad around in the back of your head that might seem just simple and joyful. Yeah, exactly. Like today could be a regular day or today could be the day that you do one of those kind of wacky fun things you've always been a little bit curious about. And that was kind of the invitation of this class too, is it's like it was permission to play and permission to step outside of your normal routine ways of operating and be like, actually, I'm going to do a stealth, like secret mission of kindness today. And I'm going to put these little love notes, you know, in everybody's cubby at the school and they're not going to know who did it. And it's going to be like this, like magical mischief mission. (laughs) I just made that up, by the way. I kind of like it. Um, (laughs) But like, I don't know, I I can feel into that experience. I can even just imagining myself putting these love notes into these little cubbies at like a, you know, elementary Mm -hmm. school and just imagine the glee that you would feel all day being like the secret 
dispenser of these love notes and that people responding to them and being touched by them. And, you know, that's pretty great. You know, you could be at the end of your life, you could be like, that's one of the stories that I feel really proud of. I loved it. I love that I, I did that that day. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I want more of that too. I don't know. I'll have to think of my own magical mischief mission. <laughs> magical mischief <laughs> mission. It's kind of a mouthful. Yeah. Maybe it's not a great name for anything, but. <laughs> oh, but it sounds really great. It sounds really awesome <laughs> in this moment. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't believe we're almost like, <laughs> it's almost the hour mark here, but let's see, where can people find you if they are, they're wondering, you know, what you do and where to check you out? Yeah, superherolife.com. Wonderful. And I will link to that and we can call it out too. Well, so let's get into the, the last couple of questions. I mean, I don't want to end this conversation, but, <laughs> but we'll get to the last two questions. So you definitely have a lot going on. One of the questions I've asked people this season is, what does balance look like for you and how do you maintain harmony in your life? I don't know if this is a useful answer, but right now, what feels like it really helps me stay in balance is actually being a halftime parent. So the sort of silver lining of being like a 50-50 parent is that half of the time you get to be a grown up, you get to be quiet, you get to be by yourself, you get to go out on dates, like whatever it is for you. So that has been something that has been very helpful for me in my creative process. Like as a creative person, I just feel like, oh my God, like I, I need that time. So that's been really great. And also I've been doing this thing called Miracle Morning. Have you heard of the Miracle Morning? I've heard of it. Yes. Do you want to explain it though? Because I think what people do different versions of a miracle morning. Yeah. So it's basically you wake up an hour earlier than you normally would wake up. You build in an hour for like 60 minutes of whatever self-care practices most delight you. So I might, you know, I light candles. I do a little meditation. I do a little yoga. Maybe I'll take a walk. Maybe I'll read for a little bit. Maybe I'll journal for a little bit. But it's all kind of, you know, before you let the world descend on you and you start checking your email and checking your phone. And I really try to keep that hour really sacred. And then, and this sort of relates to one of the other questions about our intuition. It's like a time to check in with myself and put my hand on my heart and be like, okay, where are we at today? How do we feel? What's going on in here? And I feel like it's just, it's been pretty life-changing, really grounding practice. Love that. I love hearing about it because I, I mean, I've heard about it other places and <laughs> I've never successfully what, implemented it for myself. I think what, just having a six-year-old son is, makes it a little bit crazier. Sometimes you can't get ahead of the wake-up time, but yes, I, I'm going to, we'll try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, hear you. It sounds, yeah. It sounds like time well spent. So last and most joyfully, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? I think for me, it's like curiosity and delight. It's like really taking seriously those little whispers of like, oh, it would, 
I love it's kind of fun, you know, like the wine and painting class, you know, just wine and painting classes. I've always wanted to do one of these, like you go to a bar and you drink wine and everyone's like painting in front of a canvas or something. Anyway, just weird stuff like that. Like if there's like, there's always those things that are sort of like, oh, one day I want to try that. Or it's starting to really notice what are those things that kind of like catch your attention, make you feel curious, look like they might be delightful. I think curiosity and delight is like the pathway to more joy. And so let yourself have those sort of sacred urges and desires and start actually being in action around them and see see what your body feels like. Your body will tell you like, we feel alive. This is great. You know, that's what I would say to that. I don't think that's three, but that's what I have to share. <laughs> I think about it that. counts. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Andrea. I have truly enjoyed getting to to catch up with you. Thank you so much for everything you do and all the joy you put out there in the world. Uh, Thank you so much. It was my pleasure, Paula. Andrea, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing so much joy and magic in the world and for being a guest on this show. I'm so honored to have gotten to speak with you and so glad that you've shared your own uniqueness with all of us. And congratulations on the Creative Superhero Podcast. You know I'm listening every week. If you want to join in the discussion where we'll be talking about this question, what can you choose today that would add more joy and magic into the world? You can find us chatting that up over at Facebook, facebook.com slash jumpstartyourjoy. I will be there and we will have a great discussion about all of that. You can find show notes and links to Andrea's site and her classes at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 87, or you can visit Andrea at superherolife.com. Next week on the show, I'll be doing a solo cast about finding what fits as we close out the month of May. I'll be talking about how this podcast has changed me, how it's helped me find my voice, how it snapped things into clarity, and how finding what fits has made such a difference to me. And please don't forget that if you are ready to start your own show, your very own podcast, the early bird registration for Jumpstart Your Podcast is now open on my website and you can use the code SPRING50 to get $50 off registration through May 31st, 2017. You can find all of that over at the site jumpstartyourjoy.com. I hope that you'll come back next week for that solo cast. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.